You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. I am your host, Chris Spangle, and you are listening to your daily dose of libertarian common sense, where we are breaking down the news and we are putting together 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day where we're going to fill in the gaps in between We Are Libertarians. There's like two news cycles a day now, so there's just too much to cover on an episode of We Are Libertarians without making them four hours long. And so uh, that's what this is about. This is about making sure that you're well-informed. And I'm putting together a prep team uh, of people who, instead of arguing on Facebook with liberal idiots, are putting together information that can help influence thousands of people. Uh, and you know, one of the things that I've I've learned doing this that I was telling a couple of the guys who have already signed up, which you can do at editor at weirdlibertarians dot com. Um, if you're interested, I'm not looking for like casual send me a link, which you can do on the website at weirdlibertarians dot com with the undercover news submission link. But if you would like want to spend you know maybe a couple hours a week doing some research, and that sounds fun to you, <laughs> then I'm I'm willing to take your help because we've got seven, eight topics a week that we're doing now and 20 news stories. So there's a lot out there. Um, and as I, as I said, I couldn't do it without Rational Review, uh, rationalreview.com, I believe. Um, but what you find in doing this is that there's the general kind of vibe on social media about what what is contained in a story, something like the the separations at the border, for instance. And the general conversation on social media, I guess, uh, the conventional wisdom of it, is always wrong. And when you actually get into the facts and you actually start breaking stuff down, you go, nobody knows what they're talking about. Everybody's arguing straw mans. Uh, so that's that's what we try to do here. We try to give you all the facts of what's going on and give you a little context. Here's my co-host, Mittens. Um, she is... She's eight years old now. She's starting to look. It's always sad when your cat starts to get a little elderly looking. You know, the the eyes get a little more sunken and sad. So, uh, but she's still spunky and annoying. Okay, so big news story today. Alan Weisselberg, longtime Trump organiza- organization CFO, chief financial officer, is granted immunity in the Cohen probe. Um, so... The Wall the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Trump's financial gatekeeper was a part of this Cohen investigation, and he was granted full immunity to discuss this particular situation. Now, here's the here's the interesting thing about Cohen and the Alan Weisselberg and some of these other guys. You know, here Trump is always I'm all about loyalty. You know, looking at the former FBI director and saying, I'm all about loyalty. You know, he has been extremely disloyal to Michael Cohen, which is the craziest part about all of this. Because here's a guy who could sink you. You know, same with Alan Weiselberg. I think everybody in Trump's orbit is watching the abandonment of Michael Cohen and going, yeah, if they didn't already know that Donald Trump wasn't a loyal person, if they had if they had any shred of a doubt, it's all gone at this point. And so I don't blame Alan Weiselberg. He probably didn't have any choice, but you know, for saying I'm going to cooperate fully. Um, 
But it's got to be a scary moment for the president because all these people who he thought were loyal people start cooperating. And, and Trump's mentality was – I wish I had pulled the clip, but he basically is on a, a, a an interview. Let's see. I think they mentioned in here uh, – no, they didn't say where it was. But he said flipping on people should be illegals. You know, ta- talking about how all these mobs people flip – and that should just be illegal. You shouldn't be allowed to testify against other people. Well, Mr. President, like that's before biblical times. <laughs> the idea of of two witnesses testifying against another person is, is pretty standard. So I think you can tell like the the craziness of Trump. I don't think we've even seen anything yet because I think as the news starts to get tighter and tighter, uh, and I think that the Cohen thing is the thing that's going to bring him down. Like it started with the Russia stuff, but it's Cohen ultimately. This is the beginning of the thread, right? So, you know, you have the the Watergate break in, and it seems very innocuous. And oh well, he paid off a porn star, uh, and oh, you know, some people broke into the the Democratic headquarters. You know, and, oh, okay, well, this guy works for the CIA. Why does that happen? And then all of a sudden they start pulling on threads on threads on threads, you know, and John Mitchell's paying people off, the attorney general, and uh, I think he was attorney general. Like, all of a sudden, 90 months later or something, the president is resigning. So I think we're at the beginning. I think the... um, Not that I think Donald Trump could govern, but... I think if you're a Trump supporter and if you are a Republican, there has to be some level of anger that Trump never got a chance to govern because the second he became president, they started eating away like termites at him. And he's an unsympathetic figure completely. You know, he's he's a grotesque person morally. He is a corrupt person economically. He is a vain, narcissistic person ethically like he's just there's not not much about him besides his comedy routines that is likable but he still was elected president of the united states by 475 at least electoral college votes or 270 so he was elected president and you have to let the president be the president right and so that never happened and and so what you're going to see it started with clinton getting impeached the republicans really pushing impeachment then and then so they tried to do that to Bush, and then the Republicans did it back to Obama, and now they're doing it to him. And the pendulum's going to swing just as hard as soon as President Elizabeth Warren is sworn in, or Bernie Sanders, or whomever, whatever nut job they elect on the Democratic side, it, it will, the Republicans will start in just as hard. And so it is, um, it's got to be frustrating if you're a Trump person not having ever had your guy have a chance to actually govern because the Russia investigation, which I've said almost every time I mention it, is all phony baloney BS. Like, the Russians, I believe the Russians did hack into the DNC. Their goal was to influence the American election. I do not believe that they were changing people's votes nor do I think that there was collusion with the Trump administration. Um, but the idea that they colluded with the Trump administration is ultimately the thing that ha- has led to this moment. 
And so you knew, being Donald Trump, he had to have done something illegal or corrupt. And even the most moral man, I think if you found the most moral man in all of Washington, D.C., and I have no idea who that guy is, but let's say you, you let's say Gary Johnson gets elected president. Okay, Gary Johnson is a fundamentally decent human being. I know Gary Johnson. He is he is humble. He is generous. He is a nice human being. He's polite, uh, and so he's everything. He's the exact opposite of Donald Trump. Gary Johnson gets elected, and they start digging. And you can really, um, as we've shown with a lot of the Alex Jones stuff over the last few weeks. It doesn't really matter. You can twist whatever you want and make it look bad and then repeat that over and over and over in the media, and that becomes the truth, right? So the the reality is this is our politics now, that it is all about what can we get these guys on, what, what little technicality or process crime like perjury or obstruction can we, can we get the other party on, uh, so if you think that this ends with Donald Trump, it doesn't because it's just the politics of America now. I think it's a fundamentally different place than when I was coming up in politics in the late 90s, early 2000s as, as a young kid following politics and having those American ideals and you had the greatest generation around still. I, I think boomers have completely destroyed the American political system, they, they took the strains that were already in the system because of the increase in the size of the power of government under FDR and LBJ, and we're now at a point where it's just unmanageable, it's unwieldy, it's, it's, it's really hell. <laughs> you know, the federal government is hell on earth for its citizens. So, um, but you know, the, the, Alan, the, the thing about Weisselberg, the CFO... Which and let's be honest about Donald Trump and his accountant being named Weiselberg, like he's just he is. It is like your your dad's golfing buddy got elected president, isn't it? Just grotesquely boorish. Uh, so Weiselberg has been. Let's see. Um, Weiselberg is the CFO of the Trump Organization. He was called to testify. Um, he spoke to investigators, uh, so Weisselberg hasn't responded to comment. Um, if last year Weisselberg arranged for the Trump Organization to reimburse Cohn, who had in October 2016 made a hundred and thirty thousand payment to Stephanie Clifford, uh, aka Stormy Daniels, uh, who said she had had sex with Trump a decade earlier, um, so. You had him, you know, basically turn over information, and you also had the uh, head of the National Enquirer, who was a good friend, get immunity for a bunch of information as well. You've got Cohen flipping on him. So you have all these people who, pre-2016, were part of Team Trump, now all cooperating with Mueller. And you know that has to just be absolutely flooring him. You know he's got to be losing his mind. So I think we're going to see more and more erratic behavior from him, and uh, you know s- s- crazy things like firing. You know, not that I'm against this, but firing Jeff Sessions, which will just be a, probably a greater case for obstruction of justice than with uh, than with the FBI director Comey, because the when he recused himself, Sessions recused himself in all of this. 
which is the cardinal sin that goes back, the original sin between Trump and Sessions, uh, who are now publicly feuding between each other. Um, when he did that, he basically put everything under Rod Rosenstein, a lifetime bureaucrat of the FBI or of the Justice Department. And so Trump, obviously hating the deep state, quote unquote, uh, has never forgiven him for that. And so if he fires, he's, he's just, there's going to come a time where he fires Mueller. And that is going to be lit, fam. <laughs> because I think the real goal here is not about, it has never been about collusion. Maybe for like the first three days, but even Peter Strzok in the text messages that got revealed, they were all talking about how there was nothing behind the Russian collusion stuff. The real thing has always been about a dragnet for a process crime. Or the big fish. And I think the big fish... In, in Trump's world is his real estate dealings. And David K. Johnston has written uh, a couple books, you know, The Making of Donald Trump, and it's it's worse than, you, than it looks. It's worse than you think, or it's worse than you, it looks. I can't remember the title. One of my favorite reporters, tax reporter for the New York Times, covered Trump forever, and basically says he, he launders money for foreign powers, especially Russia, by buying real estate for them with offshore money and then selling it back to them. And he's not as rich as everybody says he is. He says he's worth $10 billion, but you know, once you actually looked at the books, he's probably broke. You know, and so these, there's all these things about his finances, his personal finances, his business finances, that are extremely damaging, which is why he never put out the tax returns. That's the big fish. And if Robert Mueller can get a Weisselberg or if Weissel, if he could get a Weisselberg to flip and, and get immunity then, and give him access to the 30 years of, of Trump tax records and um, the other set of books that are probably in existence, then that's the big fish. And that's probably what they're really after, uh, which is it's is partially why I am sympathetic to the argument that you should fire Robert Mueller, because the whole purview of what he was supposed to do was Russian collusion. Did Donald Trump try to steal secrets in an effort to get himself elected and violate law by co cooperating with foreign power? That's what it was all about. But if they get to a point where they can get to the big fish, then you know it doesn't matter what the purview of it was. It's like... The whole point of Ken Starr and Bill Clinton was Whitewater. That's what that special uh, uh, counsel was appointed for. And, you know, Bill Clinton, you have to remember, I mean, he back then, he wasn't the paragon of virtue that we all consider him to be now. Uh, Donald, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton in reputation have a lot in common in, in, their, in their era. You know, Bill Clinton was always considered to be a very corrupt person. You know, even 1996, having a campaign finance violation for, uh, you know, basically taking campaign contributions from Chinese, uh, for, uh, eventually got the Chinese state, and then was declassifying nuclear secrets shortly thereafter. Uh, you know, so w why are we surprised by the Clinton Foundation revelations and all the stuff that was in Clinton cash? Like, we shouldn't be, because they did it when they were president. So the the special counsel, in a lot of ways, was started because there's got to be something there, right? So and that's what it is with the Trump stuff. There's got to be something there. This guy's too corrupt. Let's figure out what it is. We'll get him on something. Um, so 
Uh, it's not going to be boring. <laughs> and we could see, could you imagine if we have an impeachment fight in the middle of the 2020 election and the guy running for re-election is, if not, if isn't in the middle of the impeachment fight, has impending impeachment articles against him. Uh, now, there's no way he'd ever be removed as president. There's no way that even in 2018, they're not going to get two-thirds of the Senate on the Democratic side. But, uh, man, is it going to be fun. So, a lot, lot of interesting stuff. Two, two more key Trump insiders start cooperating. His CFO and uh, the National Enquirer guy. So, and along with Michael Cohn, and, and uh, it's... Ooh, doggy. So, and uh, supposedly Donald Jr. is about to be indicted any day now. So they're now going after his kids, and so I I wonder there there have been some people that have floated the idea that he'll step down to save his kids. I don't think he'd do it for Eric or Don. I think he'd do it for Ivanka. Um, so moving on uh, in five thirty eight. Five thirty eight is a you know Nate Silver was the darling of polling forever until twenty sixteen, but five thirty eight is a very interesting website. Um, it, it, they do a, a lot of statistical work. And they have an article, they have a weekly segment called Polapalooza, where they do a week a weekly polling roundup. And uh, August 24th, uh, by Helen Richardson, no, 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 that's the photo credit. I don't know, I think this is by Nate Silver, actually. Uh, the title is, Can Could a Libertarian Win a Senate Race This Year? Uh he writes, you know when you go to see a good popcorn movie and the fun sidekick character doesn't get nearly enough screen time, but then they announce a sequel that puts the character front and center? In politics, that's Gary Johnson. Very funny. Very good headline. Or very good lead. I like that. Um, the former two-term Republican governor of New Mexico turned libertarian presidential candidate got 3.3% of the popular vote in 2016. More than 4 million votes. But it seemed like that would be the last we'd hear from him. But fortunately for Johnson superfans, that's not how it worked out. After the Libertarian candidate in New Mexico's U.S. Senate race dropped out last month, the New Mexico Libertarian Party drafted him into the race. The field was particularly inviting for Johnson because the GOP wasn't taking this race that seriously. The only Republican on the primary ballot was Mark Rich, an Albuquerque contractor who had never run for office before. That plus Johnson's residual name recognition in the land of enchantment has raised the possibility that Johnson, not Rich, could be the main threat to topple Senator Martin Heinrich this fall, a Democrat. So our poll of the week is Emerson College survey released Monday suggesting exactly that. Heinrich led the poll conducted August 17th and 18th among 500 voters with 39%, but Johnson came in second with 21%. Rich received 11 and 30 were still undecided. Emerson found that the, John, the secret to Johnson's success was that he had surpassed Rich as the choice of both Republicans. Johnson led Rich 27 to 25 amongst GOP voters and independents. Johnson led 25 to 7, with Heinrich receiving 32% in the independents uh, ranking. Probably in order to counter this narrative, the next day Rich's campaign released its own poll at the race claimed that Heinrich led Rich only 41 to 34% with Johnson at 19%. Still, like, internal polling, having Johnson at 19%, and you're touting that you're only seven points behind? Not not a really smart political, like, don't... <laughs> why would you put that out? 
if Johnson were to pull off the unlikely win, he would be the first U.S. Uh, the first libertarian in U.S. history to win a major statewide election. But even if Rich's poll pessimistic for Johnson view of the race is correct, that would still make Johnson one of the most successful libertarian candidates in history. Uh, so the best at the ballot box was 2016 in the U.S. Senate race in Alaska with Joe Miller at 29%. Um, so... Joe Miller got 26% in Alaska in 2016. Michael Cloud, uh, 18% in Massachusetts in 02 against Kerry. That was a two-way race. Uh, I think Joe Miller was as well. Dick Randolph in Alaska, governor, 15% in 82. Steve Osborne in the Indiana, 2006, 13%. Carla Howell, who I think she might work for the National Party. I don't know if she still does or not. She might might no longer be there, but... Uh, Massachusetts, 2,000, 12% of the vote. Ed Clark, president uh, in just Alaska in 1980, got 12. Um, Wisconsin governor Ed Thompson in 02 got 10%. Gary Johnson for president in New Mexico in 16 got 9%. And in Kansas in 2002, 9% for Stephen Rosil. Um, so Alaska... Massachusetts uh, are really strong. New Mexico has really strong libertarian tendencies. Um, So that's good. Uh, There's a big caveat to the list. Three of the names are only on this list because one of the major parties sat out the race. Cloud got 18% because Kerry had no Republican opponent. Osborne and Rosalie, meanwhile, ran in elections where there were no Democratic nominee. That hints at the single biggest factor that could boost Johnson's chances in new... If Rich drops out to consolidate anti-Heinrich vote, he has no inclination to do so, but it'd be great if you would. If these damn Republicans would stop spoiling these... These are libertarian votes. The Republican needs to drop out and quit wasting everyone's time by running for office in New Mexico. He is wasting votes. Ridiculous. This this Republican needs to drop out. It's so nice to be able to, to do that back to them, isn't it? Um, let's see. Yeah, so good news for Johnson, and hopefully uh, he does well. Uh, we wish him well. We like Gary Johnson here at We Are Libertarians. We don't care what any of you say. I, I, I think that the people that complain about Gary Johnson not being libertarian enough, like, and I get it, because I think he was ill-prepared in 2016. It's like, you go on 60 Minutes and you don't have any idea who's in your cabinet. Like, that's a bad look. But um, there's so many people who are in the party now or engaged with this program, with all of our social, who are like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a libertarian because of Gary Johnson. And I think when you take a... Uh, when you... When you give Johnson grief, <laughs> you those people take that personally. So I would encourage people to not be so hard on Gary Johnson on social media because at this point it doesn't really matter. Um, but remember that you're kind of turning people off when you're constantly criticizing other libertarians. Uh, so Gary Johnson, good luck. All right, with that, we finish out the week here at We Are Libertarians. We almost We had a close... Uh, uh, scare. We almost did a podcast with our friend Rob Cortell from the swamp today, but uh, he ended up uh, not being able to do it. So now I'm going to go have uh, dinner with our friend Miranda, uh, formerly of Miranda's World. 
she's doing okay. So uh, she'll be back on We Are Libertarians soon. She wanted me to tell everyone hi. Um, so that that concludes our broadcast week. Uh, your very tired host is going to take a day to just relax and not read the news. So, But it, it's been fun. I've had a lot of fun, and I'm excited for all the stuff that we're doing here on the network. And we've got another great broadcast week ready next week. Can't wait to get back to it. So much going on. So if you see something out there that you think we should talk about, please, Undercovered News, look for it on the We Are Libertarians website. Send us a link, editor at wearelibertarians.com. Please send it there. Be sure to promote all of our shows, but especially the Chris Spangle Show and We Are Libertarians on social media. Uh, we'll retweet you if you do. We'll uh, share your post if you do. So anytime you give us social media love, we'll be sure to share that. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.